Sarah, tell me your name to quote the great Eskimo Joe song. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Josh. How are you? Do you know that song? Sarah, um, won't you tell me your name? No. Well, in that case, no. my, my random song trivia about that song will make no sense <laughs> to you or anyone, so I'll just I'll withhold it. And if anyone wants to hear it, you can message me. And I like I might mention it on a future podcast. So <laughs> I'm uh Weird. I'm doing good. I'm um, I'm I'm here. Yeah. I'm alive. I'm well. I'm 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 functioning on um on all the things I'm supposed to function on. I think I think things are okay. That's pretty excellent. You're back in Australia, um, on Australian all those stupid Queensland time. <laughs> so that's that's a good start. Can I you haven't been here for a few weeks. Can I just say that uh, that it's you, not me. And when I say that, I mean from state to state, not person to person. <laughs> that um, the Queensland's like, look, we've got a time, and the time is just what the time is. We don't like we don't need to change it. Like we're all intel- intelligent enough to figure out that the sun rises and sets and we can just get up when we want to. But you guys are like, oh, we're just we're too stupid to figure out the sun thing, so we'll just change the whole fucking time. <laughs> no. That's how it works. Correct. That's, that's how it no. works. It's just changing the way society functions so it gives us more light at the end of the day when it's nice to do nice things as a, you know, society together. But, but you don't have more light. You've got the same amount of light. You just I know we have the same amount of light, but if you think about the fact that when they instituted daylight savings, the majority of people would have worked, for example, nine to five with your leisure hours after five o'clock. This gives you more daylight hours after five o'clock. I don't want to break your heart, but time is but a construct. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's why you can move it, because it is but a construct. And that's why uh, you can shift it. I love we're like seconds into the podcast. We're having like a, a war over An the... existential argument. Because it, it's exactly the same level of ridiculous that you guys have daylight savings and exactly the same level of ridiculous that Queensland doesn't. It's the, They're yeah, both correct. as stupid as each other. Well, I think it's more stupid than Queensland doesn't <laughs> <laughs> All right, agree to disagree. Uh, and I know that we talked last year about the disaster that you poor, like, border Queensland, New South Wales celebrants must have uh, in figuring out what time you're supposed to be where. Yeah, it's actually about to get even worse for me. Um, and I, I'll, I'll tell you why. I feel like I owe you and the world an explanation on my absence and general lack of presence in the last I feel few like most people would under, would know would know already but you can definitely tell them again yeah. so like we we welcomed a little human into the world we 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 met luna on october 19 and so that's that's amazing and all encompassing and of course before then and of course after then i've just been traveling like an idiot um, we just literally just got back from america and new zealand and uh, and we've come back home and we're now packing because we're moving house because we just bought a house. Oh, congratulations! Thank you. Yay! Where is the new house in reference to your current house? How, how far away is it? So we're in Rabina on the Gold Coast, which is um, and, and maybe it's 15 minutes south. And uh, about 17 minutes south is the New South Wales border, which is, we were talking about daylight savings. My life is about to go, get a whole lot weirder and harder because I'm literally a stone's throw from the border. I... I haven't checked, but I'm pretty sure if I was really strong, I probably could throw a stone from my house into New South Wales. <laughs> like if I if I spend the next couple of months Literally really bulking up, a stone's throw. Literally, hilarious. Like the uh, the Gold Coast Airport runway um, is 
like a maybe two or three hundred meters from my house. It's nuts. Awesome. So future so, podcast recordings might have the odd jet landing over it. Awesome. Yeah. And I remember when I stayed in a hotel in March that was just opposite the Gold Coast Airport. Yeah. Um, randomly, my phone would switch time zones. Yeah, yeah. So I'm the, randomly on the other end of the runway from where you were, uh, but still, uh-huh. like the the border kind of. Um, where you were, the border wasn't far. Like a, I'm trying to remember where the border was, but it's not far from where you are. But it kind of skips across the airport runway and then at the back there. And so I'm probably a little, like I'm a long stone throw away, but I'm I'm not far. But it is possible that your phone could randomly change time zones and that you would have no idea what time it was. Yeah. Now, um, when you're on holiday like I was, that was okay, even though I did get confused sometimes and go, I'm sure that. Five minutes ago, it was this time, and now it's that time. Um, but when you're like working, that could be slightly more problematic. Yeah, yeah. I will update you in future months. But what I understand most people do around Tweed Heads is they take their phone and their vehicles off the automatic time zone change, uh, and they just one. they like everyone, even in Tweed Heads, they all just lock on to Queensland time because. That's that's where you're doing business. That's where banks are, and that's where yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, I understand most people lock on to Queensland time. That does sound sensible. Yeah, it feels sensible. Very sensible. Yeah. So, uh, 2018's been quite the year for us. Um, between uh, falling pregnant, having a baby, we've bought a house. Obviously, business has been business. You and I have launched the Celebrant Institute. Um, Yay! And uh, we, we uh, like no, no, not to go on a down, but we lost Brit's dad early this year, and so for Brit and I, and now for Luna, this year's just been like a lot. And uh, and I um, I, I, it's so funny. I was looking through my OmniFocus, which is my task manager, and uh, I've got um, one, two, three, four, five, six. Six half-written blog posts for Celebrant Institute that I've been <laughs> nutting out over the last couple of months. And, oh, Sarah, I, I've got so much respect for, first of all, so much respect for humans that have had babies. Regardless of your gender or your parents' title, if you've had a child... God, my love goes out to you. I, <laughs> I, I apologize that before today, or before the October uh, nineteen date, I didn't have the level of respect you deserved. I like, I wasn't, I wasn't anti. I, I, I wasn't like rude to parents, but I just, I just didn't respect where you guys were at. So I've got a whole lot more respect for parents now. And uh, and on top of that, um, if you're if you run your own business and and particularly um, celebrants and people in the wedding industry, if you've God, if you're a mother, you're a superhuman. Um, but even if you're just a, if you're just parenting uh, the child, um, so much respect for you guys. I don't know how you function on planet Earth because I'm not about to go on a negative tirade about children because I feel that enough people have done that, and I just don't have anything to say in that realm. Because Luna's amazing and she's beautiful and she's so well tempered and she's just lovely, but she's just all encompassing and. Particularly when you work in the wedding industry where there's a, an expectation that you'd kind of turn up at, well, I've got a ceremony at 5.30 this afternoon. Everyone's kind of expecting that I'll be there. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty, yep. Yeah, like yep. there's there's no real, like no one's thinking, oh, it's 50-50, we'll see if Withers turns up. <laughs> Everyone's really no. expecting me to be there yeah. and to give them 100%. And I... um. Like that's that's a hard thing to deliver. I, I like obviously we're uh, what are we eight weeks in, so that's my only experience, and I, it's it's hard to deliver with an eight week old. Like it just really is because she's just 
everything. And you know, even more respect and love if you've had an, an ill or um, you know, sick child or with complications, because I just don't know. If if you if you did what we do with that situation, I just I don't know how you did it. I can't even fathom it. Amazing. So I think I I asked you this, but I'm interested for you to tell our listeners: Is she all encompassing because there's so much to do, or because she's so fascinating you just want to watch her all the time? So it's it's literally both uh, because she is fascinating because. You just look at her and you're like, oh, my God, you didn't exist like a year ago. Um, <laughs> and particularly for our journey, like we like we, we went through through IVF. And so, like, we, we were very intimately involved on a very physical, visible level with that whole process. And, uh, like, I – like, this is – honestly, I just can get a little, a little bit teary thinking about it. Um, I, I watched the guy bring the – the the I guess it's a needle or the the thing and he and she was in that and and put her like I yeah the whole thing from there through pregnancy like I'm just bewildered like I'm amazed and I'm just um I'm so impressed by humanity and existence it's amazing and then she's here and like she's just beautiful she's like she's so happy like uh she she awesome. she wouldn't go to bed there she wouldn't go to sleep the other day and so uh she she wasn't even, she wasn't even crying she was kind of squawking talking you know just trying to get sounds out and so i walk into a bedroom to put a put the dummy in and um and uh and as as i open the door she turns looks and smiles i'm like oh my god kid i can't do anything ever now <laughs> <laughs> so so there's there's definitely that but also she's all encompassing because like, like she she heavily relies on us you know for food and, and and cleanliness and safety and security and food obviously um so so, so Brits, Brits, uh, breastfeeding, um, pretty much for full time. And, uh, or if she, if she's not breastfed, it's, it's pumped and through a bottle. So that, that's a, that's a really big burden on Brit because like she's just the one and only source at the current moment. And so, so for me, it's not only all encompassing because she requires a lot of me, but she requires even more of Brit. Um, and so I'm also trying to pick up the slack around that and then. And then, of course, we decided to buy a house in the middle of it, and that's hell. Of course. That's the worst thing yeah. a human could do. Yeah. <laughs> hey, have you bought? I, I can't recall if you've bought. No, I haven't bought. No. You, you know what? You should have done it before the Royal Commission. <laughs> it's hell. If, if anyone's listening to this and you haven't bought before, just don't. Just just give up. Just get, get your house deposit savings. Piss it up against the wall this weekend. Have a really good weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it's way better than anything else you can do with that money because buying a house is the worst. Like, but just think, you're going to be like in that house, then you're never going to have to move again. Yeah, well, obviously, once we get the house, that lovely. Good. That, yeah, yeah, totally. So, like from Wednesday when we the house settles, like that'll be great. But the 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 settlement period is just it's been a nightmare. Um, I I understand that we. Because the Royal Commission is just kind of wrapped up and everyone's crapping themselves over all the financial regulations that are that that we are possibly in the worst like a uh, period of buying a house because everyone's freaking out over it. Like Suncorp needed, I'm surprised they didn't ask for blood samples. I had to give them years <laughs> of years of data about our business and our personal accounts and everything, and and they they questioned so many transactions and it was. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, so yeah, that, that's that's why life has been all encompassing, and I've desperately, desperately been trying to um, write for the Celebrant Institute, and I've just got a, a plethora of half-written articles because uh, I I'm not intelligent enough to do two things at once. 
and uh, that's my that's my greatest value. That's my Achilles heel, Sarah. No, not really, because we do the prevailing evidence now is that nobody can do two things at once. Multi-skilling is a myth. Everyone's a liar. Uh, everyone <laughs> is a liar. Just some people are better at switching between multiple things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Quickly. So, so that's definitely where I'm at. If um, I am so excited about the new house because I we've made the grand decision to give me what I want, which is an, an office, which is our garage, and I'm having it built out as a podcast studio and um, and as an office, and it's going to be amazing. And I'm just That's looking so forward cool. to be able to close that door so I can just yeah. focus because I, I I'm I'm a really terrible switcher. I can't go from one thing to another. Yeah, right. Quickly, like, yeah. like back and forth. I, I can. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can obviously switch. I'm, I'm human. I can, yeah. I'm capable of moving. <laughs> But yeah, I just lose focus. I'll start writing and then Luna will wake up and she'll need a nappy change and there goes Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, she's also eight weeks old. So it's, you, you know, the long, the older she gets, the less she's going to need of you. And so you'll be able to shut the door. I hope so. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. it's the whole thing's a learning experience for me. I've got, I've got no idea. Zero idea. But here's the secret. Nobody has any idea. Isn't that empowering and liberating? I find it the most liberating thing ever. I find it a little bit frightening, actually, uh, that people continue to bring children into this world knowing that they have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> it's uh, funny how we can both say just face the same fact and one be terrified <laughs> and one be liberated. <laughs> well, because you are a parent, so of course you feel liberated by that. Um because, you know, it's it makes life easier for you because, you know, there's no expectations because you well, don't know anything. There's a few expectations. like if yeah, There's a few, <laughs> like keeping her fed and... Alive and, and yeah, there's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's those expectations. There's a base there's, level. <laughs> but there's no expectation that you would be an immediate expert. No, that's true. That's so that helps. That helps. So, yes, that's why you have been not around very much. Yeah, and I, I feel like there's, uh, I've got a million emails and whatnot about, I think there's been a few issues with the Sullivan Institute website and emails, and, and uh, I, got all of the, I got a lot of those while I was in America, and I only had my iPad, and because um, I, I generally only travel with my iPad now, I'm a, I'm a bit of an iPad fanboy, and, uh, and it's good for like 99.9% .9 of my tasks, but fixing website things is not something I can do on the iPad well. Yeah. That's totally fair. That's totally fair. I think that we uh, fixed the membership issue that we had a little while ago. So um, hopefully new members are – yes, they are. Look at that. They're all Institute members. So that's good. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that's what Josh has been up to. I have been slightly less manic uh, than Josh, although still manic in different ways. Um, I announced to the world last week that I have partnered with a new RTO in the Cert 4 in Celebrancy World. They're called Talented Training. They're based in Brisbane. And I am their new head of Celebrancy Training and Assessment, which is very exciting. Uh, it's so, so basic. Like amazing. Thanks. Thanks. It's pretty cool. Uh, basically, what it means is that I have responsibility for running their Cert 4 program uh, nationwide. Um, I can do what I like with it, basically. Uh, I'm starting in Melbourne, obviously, because that's where I am. So the first face-to-face -face class will be in Melbourne in the third week of February. Uh, and 
really, this is a really great opportunity for me to shape the program the way that I think it should be taught. Obviously, I have to stick to the units of competency and I have to teach certain information and all that kind of thing, but it really gives me the opportunity to go, this is how I think it should be taught rather than sticking to somebody else's ideas, which is super exciting and awesome. Can I, can I uh, comment on that before you move on? That, please um, do. I, you're, you're not in the place to say this, I'm assuming, um, so I'll say it, that, uh, that quite a lot over uh, more than a majority of the Cert 4 training that has occurred in this country for the celebrancy um, course has been pretty bloody terrible. <laughs> and so I'm actually super excited about you um, bringing some um, a high level of uh, uh, expertise and, um, and wisdom and uh, and just just general airedness to that program. Thanks. So um, I'm pretty excited about it too, to yeah. be honest. Uh, I've made a decision that I'm not going to be offering it online only, uh, at least in the first 12 months, because I've talked about this before that I firmly believe that Cert Four students get a lot, double the amount um, out of a celebrant trainer, an expert celebrant trainer, than they do uh, from just what's in the book. So I'm insisting at this stage that um, every student do five days face-to-face in a group with up to 12 um, students. So I'm capping it at 12 because I think any more than that gets a bit unruly. Uh, And, you know, at the moment they get to learn from me for five days And I think that's kind of cool. I really, I firmly believe that the students that I've seen who've come out, who've just done it online, are missing so much of the practical tips and tricks about how we do our work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's uh, literally why the Celebrant Institute, or not why, like it's, it's a good part of the reason why the Celebrant Institute absolutely. exists is because we, we've, we've identified a lot of people that have popped out of the Cert 4 program and they've got the certificate and, and good on them. It's, it's amazing, but there's, there's parts missing. Gaps. There's gaps. Gaps. Yep. Uh, and I'm also insisting that they all do some funeral, funeral training. So most of the RTOs run, uh, you can either do, as part of your Cert 4, you can do some funeral topics as electives or you can do some business topics as electives. I'm insisting that everyone who does a Cert 4 with me does uh, funeral electives because even if a celebrant doesn't want, doesn't have a burning desire to work in funerals full time, every single marriage celebrant I know has been asked at one point to do a funeral whether it's a family member or um, a previous couple's parent or whatever, every single one, the, the call comes at some point. And most of them go, oh, I haven't done a funeral. What should I do? And if you're I'll wise, my... you'll be like me and say, can I get Sarah to do it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're wise, you just pass it on, right? But a lot of people go, oh, no, I can do that. I'll just ask someone else to send me a script yeah. and I'll just... I'll just adapt it, which is not ideal. So I'm insisting that all of my students do uh, some funeral training so that when the call comes, they at least have something. They've, you know, prepared some uh, some questionnaires that they can take to a family. They've 
written a few scripts and performed them. They've got something under their belt that they can turn back to so that they're not completely uh, beholden to other people and the kindness of their hearts. And also, it doesn't hurt to have some breadth to your ceremony creation and ceremony presentation experience. It's um, absolutely like uh, I, I always um, and I apologize if you or anyone is, is this person, but like when I see some when I see someone that only has an automatic license, because most cars are automatic these days, like you don't really, really need an open license. But it's and, and this is this is not a firm example, but it's just it's really it's good to have a, a broad knowledge and experience of, say, driving on the road, maybe driving trucks mm. or utes or manuals or motorbikes or bikes so that you have a broad understanding of. Of, of what's happening on the road. And, and the same with ceremonies, because like wedding, weddings are weddings and funerals are funerals. And to, to bring some of that funeral experience and just kind of underlie your wedding experience with it um, kind of creates a better foundation for you to be a better celebrant in, in all cases, particularly because I, I, I've, this is actually, this is a weakness on my behalf. I've had, um, uh, I've had a few couples recently where there's been a recent uh, death mm-hmm. and I, and and I'm not doing the funeral, but I'm doing their wedding, and and finding the right words and the right way to communicate around that in a respectful and honourable way, also in a way that doesn't drag the ceremony down to a sad point, but also acknowledges that something real and sad has happened. Like that, that's a real skill, and uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's a core competency of mine. I think it's something that I, I need to improve on, and uh, and so. I, I don't I don't know whether that'd be a direct result of doing the funeral training you're talking about, but just to have just to have that little feather in the cap where like, yeah, cool, I know funerals. Like I'm not gonna do them every day, but I know them. Would be really wise. And I think I think it's you know, sensible for us to remember that the qualification is no longer a certificate for in marriage celebrancy. It's a certificate for in celebrancy. And there in order to finish the core units, students are actually required to do uh, to write and perform uh, ceremonies that are not just marriages. So my students will be required, it's quite intensive, but they'll be required to do 12 ceremonies, five weddings, two funerals, two memorials, a naming, an 80th birthday, and a vow renewal. An 80th birthday, that's kind of cool. Yeah, well, yes, uh, the unit of competency is a little bit odd and it requires a, um, one very strange, at least one very strange ceremony. So either an 80th or a graduation or a, um, an anniversary or something that's a bit odd, like Mother's Day or Father's Day or something like that. So, um, so having done that though, will give the students a real breadth of experience, even if they've only done then one, script in that space, at least they've got something to go back to when somebody says, oh, can you do a baby naming? Um, can you do a funeral? Can you do... At least they've got something. So, you know, doing a certificate for in celebrancy, it's not just focused on the marriage stuff. It is actually focused on celebrating all kinds of life events. And I think that's important. So, yeah, so it's super exciting. It's a little bit terrifying. Uh, I do actually like have to get some students, but that's okay. It's doable. Uh, if anybody knows some people who are looking to do uh, celebrant training, yell out, send them to talentedtraining.com.au. Uh, and I will be rolling it out around the country sort of in the second half of next year and the first half of 2020. So that's super exciting as well. 
Uh, so, yeah, that's my kind of big news. That's really um, exciting. Like I've said it before and I'll say it again. Um, we're also super excited and proud of you, Sarah. This is really good. And, and I, can I just make a personal plea to everyone listening and everyone on the whole planet? Uh, yeah, look, send your send future celebrants to Sarah to go through her course. It'll, it'll be the best course that a celebrant can do in Australia. Thanks. Appreciate it. So, Yay. Um, and and I, awesome. I also need to acknowledge how, um, just as a frequent traveler, I love the you, the infrequent traveler. Dare I say, would you even say you, 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 might, you might not hate travel, but you, you certainly dislike well, it. It's not, it's not my favorite thing. <laughs> you've, now, you've now taken a, a, a job where you travel. It's great. Well, not necessarily. You know, like I might, I might find trainers in other places, but it's going to be hard to find trainers who are as awesome as me, obviously. Let's be honest. Uh, in the next year or two, you're going to be on planes. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's true. It's true, I am. But I'm not going to be on a plane one day and like on the same plane that coming back the same day. I'm going to be somewhere for at least a week. So that's okay. Yeah. Good work. Yeah. So um, that's really good news. I'm like, I'm just yeah. super excited. Like, we, we, I know you and I have been talking about this for a while. And I was, I'm so excited to see you go public, and yeah, it's good. Yeah, that's very awesome. Yay! Uh, so the last time we uh, recorded an episode of the Celebrant Talk Show was in September. Gosh, um, where is this year gone? It has disappeared. Uh, although I've been quite amused by a meme that I've seen doing the rounds on Facebook that says. 2018 has been such a ridiculous year that nobody even remembers that we had an Olympics. Oh, my God. <laughs> there was, was that, a Winter Olympics. Was that literally this, this year? year? This year. There was a Winter Olympics this year. Oh, man, I'm so guilty of that meme. I know, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, there are just a couple of things that we talked about in the last episode that I wanted to do a quick follow-up on. So the first one was about the uh, getting deregistered for not paying your registration fee. I did go on a little bit of a rant about this uh, last time. Sorry about that. Uh, But we've got some stats on this now. So we now know that 357, I think, uh, celebrants were deregistered for not paying their registration fee. That's quite a lot. Uh, and that's on top of the 190-something who actually resigned. So that 350-something is actually people who forgot to pay their fee or didn't find their invoice or whatever their reason. So my big message today, stop whatever you are doing right now. Pause the podcast in a moment once I've given you the instruction. Find your diary and put a big reminder on the 15th of July, 2019, and if you use an electronic calendar, make it recurring for every year, that says, if I have received my celebrant invoice, pay it now. If I have not received my celebrant registration invoice, ring the Attorney General's Department and find out why not. Because I can guarantee you that if you think you haven't received it, That means there's been a problem somewhere. It doesn't mean that the Attorney General's Department has just decided that you don't have to pay it this year. (laughs) That's not a thing. Which would be nice. I would like it if that was the case. Sure, that would be lovely, but it's not a thing. So if you haven't received it by the 15th of July, uh, you need to contact the Attorney General's Department and uh, follow up why not. There are some people whose 
registration invoices were in their spam folders and they didn't check their spam folders for months on end. If you are using email to run your business, you need to be checking your spam folder minimum weekly, probably daily. You need to have a process for that. Check your spam. Some celebrants changed their email address and didn't let the Attorney General's Department know. So their invoices were sent to their old email address. Well, we, it's, we are required by the Marriage Act to update our details within 30 days of changing them. So again, that's our problem. So if you haven't received it by the 15th of July, call them and find out why. Put that reminder in your diary right now. There is my little rant. Uh, of the 350-something celebrants who were deregistered, we know that over 150 of them do not hold a current cert for in celebrancy, which means that if they want to reapply to be a celebrant, they have to do the training. Uh, so they have to spend $2,500 and up to 12 months getting a cert for before they can reapply for registration. Now, we uh, do have a lovely friend of the show who was deregistered. Luckily, he did have a cert for, so he just had to reapply straight away. It took 11 weeks for his new registration to come through. So it certainly wasn't, there's no priority, uh, you know, registration review for people who've been deregistered or anything like that. We know they have to make a decision at three months um, and it was about a week before three months for him. So, it, you know, you're potentially without an income uh, for 11 weeks and, of course, that means he couldn't do any weddings he couldn't do any legal weddings during that time. He had to have other people come in and do the legals for him and he would have had to pay them for that. And it means he couldn't take any bookings during that time. So for 11 weeks, he's out of the market. Yeah, couldn't, uh, not only couldn't not take bookings, but you also can't market. Couldn't advertise. Couldn't advertise, Correct. Yeah. Couldn't market, couldn't advertise. So you're out of the market. And, you know, we know how hard it is to build that momentum in the first place. He's almost got to start again. So please please be really, really on top of this um, registration fee. That's my little rant about the registration fee for today. Talking about numbers, do you want to, because um, mm. I know you love numbers, and uh, yeah. it's in relation to every celebrant's favourite question, how many weddings did you do, or how many weddings do you do, or whatever that, you know, that conversation and number looks like, and I'm not going to ask you and I to share numbers, but how many weddings do you think, the entire Uniting Church in Queensland has completed, has officiated this year. So not an individual church or an individual minister, but the complete Uniting Church body of churches. I think there's uh, 50 or so around Queensland. How, how many? I have no idea. Why would you even know that information? So a friend that works in the Synod, which is their head office kind of thing, um, he asked me, how many weddings do I do? Or how many weddings have I done? And... Uh, and he goes, do you, want to, do you want to know this number that I'm talking about? How many weddings has the United Church done? I said, yeah. I'm dying to know. He goes, you did more weddings than you, the United <gasps> Church in Queensland by a factor of three or four. Wow. So the United Church in Queensland has done 30 weddings this year. Shut up. No. The entire church. Yeah. 
in Queensland. So this conversation stems from um, the Uniting Church is uh, they made they made a decision to allow their churches to make a decision about marriage equality, and uh, but they're they're talking about turning that back around so they don't have the opportunity to make that decision. Really? Yeah, it's uh, the whole political bullshit thing. And uh, but yeah, we, that's pretty major though because the Uniting Church was the first church to came to come out and make the decision that yes, their individual ministers and churches could make that call for themselves. And in fact, I remember reading uh, when marriage equality became a thing in December last year, I remember reading something at the time about uniting church ministers who were like, we already know that we're happy to do this, but we have to wait till July until the big conference happens where they ratify new decisions, blah, blah, blah. So for them to be considering turning that back around is massive. Yeah. So the conversation that they're having is um, how relevant is is marriage to that church and also well, like to the church body, um, but also uh, like thanks to my friend's knowledge of my business and the general celebrant industry, he's saying, "Look, guys, you, we're not that relevant to marriage anymore. Is this something even worth devoting so much effort and yuck yuckiness?" Yeah. Oh, that's pretty interesting. I wonder though. If there was, like, I wonder, you know, how many marriage equality weddings there would be, and if that would, if the, if their support of that would increase their marriage numbers generally. So many things that are coming out of that for my, <laughs> for my stats head. Um, that's really interesting. Yeah, right. Cool. Um, just on that, uh, if anybody is a stats nerd like I am, you'll know that every year in December, the Australian Bureau of Statistics releases statistics on the previous year's marriages. So on the 28th or 27th of 27th of November this year, the stats for 2017 weddings were released. And of course, the numbers, the numbers were down a bit, about 5,000 less weddings than 2016. But and there was a bit of a, oh, the marriage rate is down. But I'm going to temper that by reminding us that in 2016, there were a bunch of marriages from 2015 that got registered in 2016 because the BDMs were slow. So the numbers were actually up in 2016. So then to go down in 2017 kind of makes sense. Anyway, that's one thing I wanted to mention. But the other thing I wanted to mention is that because the ABS recognises how interested the Australian population is in marriage equality. They uh, did some stats on uh, marriage equality weddings up to the 30th of June 2018. Um, And there were three and a half thousand or something. Three and a half Uh, thousand. That's actually really good. I I don't know what I expected the number to be. Part of me expected it to be lower because part of my conversation because everyone's like oh you're gonna be rich and I, like it's guys it's not about yeah. money in fact it's like not everyone's gonna get married on day one and like like, like i'm not talking down marriage equality it's just it's just not it's not gonna be this goal rush that everyone thinks yeah no um but that's actually that's really cool so the official number is 3149 same-sex marriages that occurred in the first six months since changes now the thing that's really interesting here though is that they did not include in this count any marriages where one party identified as X under the sex question. So you can identify as male, female or X, which is short for 
you know, um, intersex or non-binary or indeterminate or blah, 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 all the other things. Uh, and for some reason they didn't include those numbers, those weddings. And there's only been, I think, under 10 of those, but they didn't include those in the numbers, which is pretty interesting. Uh, also interesting is that I know that there's been some various journalists BuzzFeed and Junkie and very, the Australian, various other people who've actually been calling the BDMs around the country um, at various points during the year and saying, hey, how many same-sex weddings have you had? Uh, and the last uh, article I saw about that, I think was a BuzzFeed one in October, which said it was, you know, over 5,000 weddings uh, in the year to date. But the interesting thing was that all the states – had given numbers at different time points. So <laughs> one of the states was this, num- this number of weddings up to the 30th of September. One of them was up to the 15th of October. One of them was up till the 15th of September. So it wasn't like they were trying to do in the article some comparisons between the states or oh, there's been this many more in New South Wales than there has been anywhere else. But given they were all given at different time points, you're not really comparing apples with oranges. Anyway... That's my little nerd out on the stats. You know I love a bit of a stat. Uh, the proportion of marriage ceremonies overseen by civil celebrants, it was 78% in 2017. So it's probably not surprising that the Uniting Church has only done 30 weddings in Queensland because churches across the board are only doing 20, 22% of weddings in 2017. Pretty interesting. Uh, so that's my little stats nerd out for the day. Anybody who's interested in the ABS uh, data cube, I will put it in the show notes so you can have a bit of a look at that. Uh, and there was just one other thing that I wanted to follow up on from the last episode. I told a story about a bride who was not consenting to a marriage Uh a bride who was telling the celebrant, who was a friend of mine, that they did not want to go through with the marriage, but they didn't feel they could cancel it because of X, Y, and Z reasons. And the celebrant eventually refused to marry them. So I think it's uh, really, since that came out, uh, that episode came out, there's been a few instances in various groups that I'm in of couples looking for a new celebrant in the week or two before their marriage. And there's been a lot of celebrants piling on saying, what's wrong with the original celebrant? How could they drop out? That's a terrible thing for them to do. Uh, How dare they let down a couple at the last minute, blah, blah, blah. I think that we really need to be careful and remember that there are two sides to every story and that just because a celebrant has dropped out at the last minute does not necessarily mean that they're in the wrong and we shouldn't be questioning their integrity. There might be a very good reason that the couple is not being open about. Um, Obviously, this couple, if they found another celebrant, would not be saying our original celebrant dropped out because I wasn't consenting (laughs) because then the new celebrant might drop out as well. So I just think it's important as celebrants that we support each other and that we don't jump to conclusions that there's been a problem uh, on the celebrant's behalf, that we do need to just be mindful that there are two sides to every story. Yeah. And you know, I've been guilty of that. I've, 
I've received um I received a phone call earlier this year. And, yeah, are you available in a week? And I wasn't. And like our Sullivan dropped out, and my immediate thought was like, what? Like who is this person? I I, mm. I just didn't even consider that um yeah, there's there's other issues. Yeah, absolutely. And look, t- t- you know, of course, there are times at which a celebrant has double booked themselves and or, you know, that they have, you know, been difficult to contact or whatever it is. Of course, there are times, but there are also times when the celebrant is walking away for a very good reason. Uh, and we need to just be mindful of that and not jump to conclusions. So they're my follow ups from the last episode. I, uh, that we talked about. I, I was, my brain just goes on tangents. And as you're talking about like, settlement walking or walking away at the last minute, like I imagine, because in the last minute, we like, we'll often get emailed their VLs. Some of us print out their VLs. Like I just got today's couple's VLs this morning. And um, I, I can imagine like getting the VLs like, oh, these are shit VLs. I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm refunding you all the money. This is like, you, you just Googled VLs. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't don't do that. It's bad. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. It's, that would be bad. Um, but yeah, sometimes things happen. Uh, so I actually, actually, there is a, f- a follow up from the last episode that I wanted to ask you about, Josh. Yeah. And that is about Dubsado. Oh yeah. How is it going? Because it's been what two, three months that you've been using it now. Yeah, and um, I, I've got to be honest with you, I'm still only really operating it probably. I'm just making it up, but probably 70, 80% capacity. Like, I'm not 100% mm-hmm. um, Dubsado yet. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I'm, but I'm there. It's, it's good. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not leaving. I'm not considering leaving. I'm not looking at other things. I, um, I like it. And I, I haven't got a well prepared answer, but I'll tell you that as I discover more and more of the nuances in how Dubsado works, because uh, we've talked about using a CRM or, um, a customer relationship management software before, and and each one of them, even something really customizable like um, Dubsado, it, it has an assumed customer journey. Like, like it, it might be a quite a wide road that you can kind of make your own journey on, but still, the creator has a journey in mind. As um, Atave, I'm sure, is the same, and I I couldn't tell you right now how it would differ completely to Dubsado's. Um, as would Studio Ninja and as would your own custom built system and, and, uh, insert, you know, 17 hats. And each one has got a bit of an assumed, like, cause the, cause the creator generally, I think this is the same for all, for Tavo, Dubsado, Studio Ninja and 17 hats. I'm pretty sure they're all created by a creative who wanted a CRM for themselves. And mm. then they realize, oh, I could probably, I could probably white label this and sell it to people. And so, yeah. It's created from a person's own personal workflow. Um, even the, the, this applies to uh, to to do apps. Uh, there's a podcast I listen to where the one of the hosts um, every couple of months he changes to do apps because he just he can't find one that completely meshes with his brain's version of how to address to do items. Um, mm-hmm. Which is a good question for you. Do you have a to do app? That you use? No. No. No, because um, all my to-do stuff is in Tave. Sure. So, okay. So, you do, but it's Tave. Oh, yeah. It's Tave. Yeah, sure. And so, does that fit well with your mental model of doing tasks? It does, because um, before I used Tave, I just wrote a list in a notebook. Like a caveman. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> and then I crossed them off. Now I don't have the the pleasure of striking a line through, but I do have the pleasure of ticking the box to show that the, <laughs> that that task has been completed, and then it vanishes from my dashboard, which is nice. I like the idea uh, of, of you kind of picking up the laptop and like scratch, <laughs> scratching a, 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 an edge in the plasterboard. <laughs> Uh, so, so it does actually, it works really nicely for me. And, uh, and the beauty of Tave is that you can, you've got your task list that associated with each job and you can build a default task list that, so when I say I've booked a premium wedding, it automatically populates, uh, the task list with all of the tasks that I've entered for a premium wedding and with dates associated with the job date. So, uh, so due dates. So for example, um, I, I might, I might have a task that I've said this will be due four weeks before the job date. And so that it automatically populates a due date based on the date of the wedding. So that's really beautiful. I love that. And it makes me very happy. Uh, and then the other thing that you can do is that you can actually create task lists that are not associated with jobs, just general task lists. So I do have one going that is, you know, that I can add things to at any time. Uh, and, you know, I've got one that recurs that reminds me to do my baths every three months. And I've got one that, you know, reminds me to transfer money between my accounts every month so that I can pay my rent uh, and things like that. So, yeah, it's got the flexibility to do both job-associated tasks and general tasks, which is super cool. And it means that I don't have to keep rewriting my list every time I add things to it. Fair, fair. <laughs> so that's nice. Yeah. So uh, I, while you were just talking then, I was, I was trying to think how to shape my conversation about the sub- Dubsado. And uh, this isn't fair on Dubsado, but it's the best way for us to understand things. Rather than tell you all the things I like about it, I'll tell you like three or four things that are still pissing me off. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's good. Because it kind of shapes like, like everything's really good, like except for these little things. Um, and so the first one, uh, Dubsado has r- fairly good, but not really good, email integration. Uh, mm-hmm. So, it, I can send emails from Dubsado, which I, I do do because I've got templates and whatnot built in, mm-hmm. and so I um so I do send emails from there, and I can receive emails through there, but I can only receive emails that are replies to emails I've sent. So if someone mm. sends a fresh email to hello at marriedbyjosh dot com, that doesn't come through. That that, that doesn't come through to Dubsado. So it's it's a little niggly thing, and I've I've made a complaint about that because what if someone just emails me randomly or. And, uh, yeah. Apparently and that's it- really interesting because that's something that Tave instituted earlier this year when they created a, an integration with Gmail. So obviously it only works if you're using Gmail or G Suite as your email provider. But basically what it's doing is that Tave is signed into Gmail, essentially. So every email is sent from Gmail. And every email that is sent to that comes into Tave. So every and single, like if I email you right now, that'll come into Tave? It comes into Tave. Now, it will go into like a general inbox. Yeah, I, I want uh, that. that, that that's what I want. Yeah, that's what you want. So that goes into general inbox, but it will also, Tave is quite um, smart in that it will look at the email address that it's from and it will go, oh, is that email address already associated with the job? If it is, we'll put it into that jobs inbox as well. Yeah, that's smart. 
So, yes, so cool. the, the email integration, because uh, Dubstarter has got the same sign into Gmail kind of setup, but it does the same thing. Um, if, if it's not an existing email conversation, it just doesn't come through. So that's yeah, an annoying. That's pretty thing. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and obviously they've, they've made a decision, they've made it a design, a design decision that has affected yeah. that. And so hopefully they'll make a new one soon. But uh, where it is right now, I actually just don't, I don't reply to emails in Dubsado. I, I send fresh no, emails. No, and I don't use Tabay either. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I, w- I would like to, cause I would like to just, I like just to have a little silo. That's where all my work email is. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, a few other things that um that are that I'm still grappling with. Uh, so they've they've actually so this is a positive that has a negative attached to it. But they've they've <laughs> released a new um a scheduler. So you know like Calendly. Do you still use Calendly? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. So but what do you use? I use my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mrs. Fancy Pants. <laughs> your bloody brain and your intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> so I just have my Google Calendar. I really found that using a scheduling tool like Calendly didn't give me enough control. Yeah, well, well so that, that's the thing that, I, um, that I've got with Dubsider because they've introduced a Calendly-like feature and it's actually really powerful until it's not. And, uh, right. and so I, I do use my brain as well. Actually, now that you mention it, uh, I use all of my <laughs> intelligence to schedule my appointments. But I would like to use Dubsider's little scheduler thing. It's just... Um, because I'll have meetings in different places and different cities and mm. different time zones, it just it's not smart enough yet. So Yeah, too complex. Yeah. yeah. I hope that it's Because there. most of those most of those kind of like calendly and other things are kind of set up to say, Yep, yeah, I run appointments on this day of the week during these hours in this venue. Yeah. Make whatever time you want. Yeah. Uh and that that to me and look, you know, the example that was given to me when I first signed up to Calendly was a um, a professor at a university who has set office hours. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that I have makes an total sense. Yeah. Like you've, they've got an office, they're open from two till five on Tuesdays and students make an appointment, you know, they can choose a 15 minute appointment or a half hour appointment, whatever it is. And it's only during those times. Whereas I'm much more fluid with my calendar. I will often go, yeah, I feel I don't feel like having any meetings that night, so I'm just not gonna offer that time, sort of thing. So, yeah, uh, so that's interesting that Dubsider's actually uh, got that integrated because I know Tave uses Ask for that a lot. Um, so that's cool that Dubsido's got that now. Yep, good. Yeah. What else? Um, okay, other issues with Dubsido the uh, the customer journey for 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 making the decision you know going from sales inquiry to all right we're doing business so however mm-hmm. you kind of characterize that change in relationship that uh that um concreting of the relationship uh, it's it's different to what i'm used to so what i'm used to mm-hmm. what i used to do uh was um so sarah i'm having a sales meeting with you you're a you're a couple that i'm you know we're, we're talking about me doing your wedding we mm-hmm. blah 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 talk 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 i ended the conversation by saying I'd love to be a celebrant. If you guys would like to invite me into your wedding, follow the link in your in the email that I've already sent you, or just go to marriedbyjosh.com forward slash booking, fill out that form, done. So that form would encompass my contract, obviously all their personal details and you know, date and whatnot, date and mm-hmm. location. And uh, and they would also say that my contract was part of that. They would sign the contract in that same form. Plus, they would make the deposit via credit card. So a single form, bang, click, done. When they clicked uh, you know, submit on that. They would fire off a Zapier and a credit calendar appointment and invoices and all that kind of thing. And uh, I really liked that because I liked handing the 
keys to the car back to them and saying, look, you're a big mm-hmm. kid now. You can figure this out. If you really want a celebrant, here's, here's how you do it. Um, I liked also not having the hard sell on that. I liked mm-hmm. that it was just, uh, when you're ready to make a decision, just make the decision. Like, um, I, yeah. I, I'll often say if you, know, I wouldn't say it, but if, if it was up and if, if it came up in conversation, like if you're going to make the decision in like six months, maybe email a brother to make sure I'm still available. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I, I, I really enjoyed that customer journey because I'm a firm believer in the fact that if you're getting married, that you're an adult and you can do adult like things like make up your own bloody mind and whether you're going to hire a celebrant or not. And you don't need to be harassed and called and emailed a thousand times. Um, I would, I would send an email three or four days later saying, Hey guys, send us a meet you on Saturday, blah, blah, blah. But I mm-hmm. wouldn't harass them. Cause I don't know if, if you're, if, if you're, well, if, and if you require that, like, I'm just not your celebrant, like I'm not your guy. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, so with Dubsado, I, I've lost that link in the chain and I have to send them a proposal to accept, um, which isn't like, it's, it's, it's not that bad. Like I just, so, but hang on back up. You said that, um, they could either go to the website or they could click on a link in an email that you've already sent them. So couldn't you just already send them that email automatically? Yeah, with the I, proposal. I guess, but, but but the proposal link is like very much like choose your package and like it's it's a it's a go email. And yeah, look, I got. I, I think um, what I've been so doing. So, what was the link in the email previously? So the the link in the email previously was me responding to their inquiry. So they say, "Hey, Josh, uh-huh. you available?" I'd say, "Hey, totally am." Um, if you'd like to book me in, click this link. If you'd like to meet me first. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, well, whatever that conversation conversation yeah. looked like about making an appointment. So I would um, I would give them the, the opportunity just to lock me in straight away. Yeah. And if they wanted but to, why could well. Why couldn't you do the same thing now? Yeah, I probably could. Um, I just. <laughs> well, because you could just send them the proposal up front and give them the opportunity to lock you in straight away. But see, the proposal that Dubsado sends, it's a. Uh, as much as totally it's a templated um, t- template, it's also at the top it says, Dear Sarah, you know, it's a slightly personalized um, uh-huh. proposal. And maybe I could, maybe I'm just up in my head. So, yeah, I, I might relook well, at that. Because I know that um, for me to send out uh, the, uh, the proposal quote, whatever they call it, uh, I have to send them a link to that. But that the email that goes around that link can how look how, however I want it to look and can say whatever I want it to say. So maybe there is a bit more customization on that than you think there is. Yeah, yeah, and there maybe is. This is this is the thing when you change systems is you have yeah totally preconceived ideas of how things work and yeah. So yeah, it's fine. Um, I'll, I'll yeah. tell you one thing I do like, and I'm sure every CRM has this, is that uh, on the front, the homepage, the dashboard, it's got mm-hmm. the, you know, the like I've set a financial goal of so much per month, and 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 how much the open invoices are, and then in like a a plus or minus percentage on how your revenue indicated indications going. I'm like, I actually kind of like that. It's kind of cool. <laughs> oh, feels good. Feels good for my soul. Does 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 Dubsado integrate with Zero? No, so that, that's that's another. It's not a problem because it's fine, uh, but no, it doesn't integrate with, with um, Zero. Mm-hmm. So, so Zero now does all of the invoicing for the elopement collective. So the elopement collective mm-hmm. isn't in Dubsado. It, so we've got our own kind of custom CRM for that, 
and the invoicing for elopement collective couples happens through zero. But now mm-hmm. invoicing for married by Josh couples does not happen in zero. So now when that money arrives in the bank account, um, instead of being marked to Jack and Jill's wedding, it's now just marked as, uh, I call it Dubsado revenue. Uh-huh. And so Dubsado yeah. tracks, so Dubsado invoices my couples and, and they can pay with a credit card and et cetera. So when the money mm-hmm. arrives in zero, it's just marked as sales or revenue as opposed to yeah. being marked for Jack and Jill's wedding. So, and that's fine. Like it'd be nice. Yeah. It'd be nice if it was a little bit more integrated because it does integrate with uh, QuickBooks. Yeah. Interesting. And I actually uh, heard, so we hired, um, there's a lady who sets up Tave for people. Her name's Kate Brewer. She now lives in New Zealand, but she was in the US for a long time. And she set up my Tave when I got started. She's amazing. Anyway, a group of us uh, paid for her to come to Australia in early September and run a workshop for us. And it was super cool. And I was asking her about zero integration. And she said, because Tave also integrates with QuickBooks, and she said, you're never going to get zero integration with an American product because zero is not widely used in America. Oh, really? Which I found fascinating. She said zero is much more used in Australia than it is in America. And most American companies use QuickBooks or more use QuickBooks than they do zero. So you're unlikely to get a zero integration anytime soon. Well, there you go. I, I, yeah, I, uh, I guess I'd assume that zero was that kind of that good and normal that it was. Yeah, me too. International acceptance, but it is a New Zealand product, which, uh, you know, as someone who travels to New Zealand enough, and we're only a short flight away, I'm like, yeah, proudly New Zealand, even though we're completely different countries. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so that's pretty interesting. But um, that's interesting. I do. Uh, Enter all. How do you do your expenses then? Are you using uh, zero for expenses? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so have one hundred percent expenses and zero. So zero is still yeah. my my bookkeeping. Yeah, yeah. it's my money place. So ninety nine percent. Oh, not a, a good portion of my of my expenses all happen on my. I've got a commercial credit card, mm-hmm. and um and that'll just it, it just uh what what do you call it ingests or you know, automatically comes into zero, yeah. and. Uh, and so, yeah, that just happens like that. So, and then obviously yeah. my bank account sinks in as well. So if I pay something, just direct yeah. debit, it does that. And so, yeah, so I'll probably, I'll, I don't think I'll leave zero, at least for the meantime. Um, no. My, my accountant likes it. I, I, I do like the reconciliation aspects and the reporting aspects. Yep. So, and also, uh, you know, zero every three months, it produces a BAS for me. But yeah. I don't have to do those calculations. Whereas in Tave, I would actually have to sit down and add up my revenue and add sure. up my expenses and blah de blah. And I have they the Tave team were quite interested in what does a bass look like? What would you need it to do? And I have sent them that information, but nothing ever happened with it. Um so for a business that charges GST, I don't think a CRM is ever really going to be good enough for full accounting purposes. Uh, because, you know, the, the things like Zero and quick, 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 QuickBooks, they produce those reports for you. You just have to press a button and it goes, oh, yeah, that's your bass. Off you go. So uh, that is much easier. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Okay, cool. So, but in general, you're happy with it, um, just with a few little niggles. Yeah, and you know what? There's always going to be niggles. When you're a nerd and you're particular about your business, and particularly I came from a place where I had my own custom system, yeah. Uh, so so now I've gone to someone else's system. There, there was there was going to be little things like that, but pretty much yeah. well, it's all well and good, and I'm quite happy. And uh, I 
I for I, I continue to be such a big advocate for uh, for credit card payment and for like really mm-hmm. beautiful invoicing. Um, the last three weddings I've had, even though they only require a deposit, they've all paid in full, and I don't know. It's actually, you know what? Now that I'm actually verbalizing this, I wonder if they think they have to. Maybe it's not clear that they can only make a deposit. Oh. <laughs> but you know what? The cash is in. Josh is happy. Things are good. Yeah. <laughs> you might just want to look at that and make sure. Well, it's very clear. It says invoice for full amount, and then uh, and then it's got a payment schedule. So the way Dubsado Dubs- yeah, right. works with invoicing is that you have the complete amount, and then a payment schedule. My payment schedule is a $700 deposit, and then um, the rest due in four months. So yeah. it's, it's clear. You can even click pay yeah. and go credit card, but yeah, whatevs. Well, that's really interesting because when you click pay by credit card in uh, Tave, it only allows you to pay the current amount, the currently due amount. Oh, so it you won't can't allow- even pay the full amount. Well, you can choose the payment, like when you're choosing your payment schedule, because you can allow the customer to choose their payment schedule. So they can either choose... 50% now and 50% a month before, or they can choose pay full amount now. So they can do that. But if they're, if they've chosen pay 50% now and 50% a month before the job date, when they press pay by credit card, it only, it only allows them to pay the 50%. Uh, whereas if they, uh, went and paid in their bank, through the bank account, if they did a direct deposit through their bank account, they can pay however much they want. Like, that's fine. But if they've pressed the automatic pay by credit card button, it doesn't let them change the amount that's being paid. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's always, I, I always like having this conversation. I think I'll always have it with you and I always have it with other people because CRMs are more and more shaping the way that um, business people like us interact with clients and customers and mm. uh, couples. And, and each CRM brings a, a philosophy on how that should happen. And, and I like, because uh, the, the reason I wanted to share the negatives wasn't because I wanted to have a bitch and moan, but I think no. that, I think that as as we kind of come a, come up against those rough edges, uh, sometimes it's a, it's a matter of us smoothing them out. Sometimes it's an issue of them smoothing us out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, totally. And I think that's that's a good process to go. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been really interesting with uh, with me doing Tave <clears throat> because there's been some things that Tave lets me do that I've never thought of. And so I've given it a shot. So for example, Tave will allow the customer to choose monthly payments. Ah. Uh, so you can, it's got it. It's got an inbuilt function. You can press monthly and it will send them an invoice every month for, you know, like it works out. Okay. There's six months before that means that, you know, six equal payments. So it's this much money per payment and it automatically sends them an invoice every month. So I gave that a shot to see what happened. The problem that I had with that one was that people seemed to assume that it was a direct debit Ah. so that the money would automatically come out, which it doesn't. Um, They still have to make a payment every month. So, but again, that was worth trialing to see if it worked, and I know some people who use Tave, uh, who it works really well for them, you know, particularly if they've got, if they've taken a booking 18 months out and the couple um, want to pay it, you know, off in little installments. Yeah, that, and that, it really be, works for them. That, that'd be really lovely. Like, because I, 
I, I've got a very simple billing system, and I'd be completely okay with accepting like you know seventy eight dollars and twenty one cents a month for the next yeah. whatever. Yeah, like I, as long as it doesn't bother me. Like the end, my my payment system is set up to to be convenient for me. I don't mind if it's something else for someone else. I just I'm not interested in being too confused by all that. But uh, I, I, as you mentioned, monthly payments, I thought I'd um, actually highlight to you and everyone else a product that I assume at some point will be made available in Australia. Uh, are you, you're obviously familiar with Square. Oh, you use Square for mm-hmm. your invoice, for your yeah. credit card payments, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Square in America has launched an Afterpay similar system. Ooh. So, uh, Ooh. so if you don't know what Afterpay is, that's when you can walk into you know, Jeans West and get your hundred dollar pair of jeans, and I think you pay it off over four months. Are you familiar with the system? Yeah, I've never used it, but four months sounds about right. But yeah. there's a significant interest on it, isn't no, there? No, there's a significant interest if you don't pay. Oh, I see. Right. So, so just say it's a hundred dollar pair of jeans. I think I, I think I'm communicating it right. If, if it's if it's a hundred dollar pair of jeans, it they simply say we just split it up into four payments, twenty five dollars, and and so mm-hmm. you have an account with Afterpay. So particularly over Christmas, you go in and you spend a thousand dollars, and they will come out a small little um divided into four increments if you miss a payment or if your credit card is is cancelled or declined or if your debit visa you've got on it doesn't have money then you get charged when i say significant fee it's probably like ten dollars which you're like oh it's only ten bucks but then if it's a hundred dollar mm. pair of jeans it's a ten percent interest so and it's probably more yeah. i actually don't know what the fees are but it's i think it's like 12 or 15 percent or something yeah so yeah so not ideal but if you play by the rules really good yeah. system um and uh, and so Square has implemented that kind of system, but for all Square retailers in different states in America. And so obviously there's some regulations they're working through with this because you're essentially offering finance. Mm. Uh, but um, I, like honestly, when I heard about that, I thought I'd I'd happily do that because what happens is you um just say you sell a wedding for a wedding for a thousand dollars, and I sell you a thousand dollar wedding today. I get the thousand dollars, and then you get four payments of two fifty over the next four months, and so your your financial relationship is no longer with me; it's now with Square. Ha! Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So I like that. I don't know. Afterpay fills me with all sorts of fear. Yeah, I, I personally don't like. I don't afterpay, and Britt did it a few times, and I said, "Bub, just." You don't have to. Just we've got the yeah, money. Just, <laughs> but, and, and but but for me, like I would be, it concerns me on a greater society level that there are people who don't have the money. I know, and and I mean, it's you know, it's essentially like a credit card, um, you know, and and we know that people who don't pay off their thousand dollar bill every month, you know, they end up paying ten times the amount by the end of the year, um, and it. I don't know, like, it just, it frightens, it It just feels a little icky to me. It does. If you can't afford the thing, don't buy the thing. I know. And I suppose <laughs> I've, in having my own business, I've tried to remove myself from that because otherwise I'd, yeah. uh, I, I wouldn't make a profit and I'd just be a charity case, which and maybe maybe that's the most beautiful thing ever. And if you're that celebrant, God bless you, you're, you're a better human than I. But in the end, I want to provide <laughs> for my family. So I've kind of removed myself from that thought process because I... And in fact, it was, it was quite interesting because I was reading, there was a discussion, I think it might have been in, I'm in a Facebook group called the Wedpreneur Community, I think, and it's mainly wedding planners in the US. Uh, and But there's some photographers and stuff thrown in as well. And somebody, a photographer was saying that they wanted to start offering finance for their photography packages 
uh, so that people could like get more stuff than they could afford and pay it off. And somebody else said, mate, you, like, do you really want to put someone in debt for some photos? Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> like it's one thing to go into debt for a house or a car, you know, like fundamental things that we need to live. But for some photos, like really, is that kind of the life that you, the world that you want to live in? Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. And, and that, yeah. I agree. And now I feel bad. Yeah. Thanks, Sarah. No, <laughs> no, no. And I, and, but, but for you, you're not talking about, um, you're just talking about a payment system. Yeah. yeah. Uh, taking monthly payments essentially, but instead of them giving the monthly payments to you, they're giving it to the, um, the financing people, the square people. Yeah. But you're not talking about them taking a product that they actually can't afford um, and bulking up on that product and then like paying it off over years to come after they've received the service. You would still be getting that money before you've given them the service. True. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and there are photographers uh, here in southeast Queensland who they're, they're not your modern current, current crop of photographers. They're a little bit more of the last generation. But they're they're in that position um, where they've. I think so. I know there's two that I'm thinking of, and um, and one of them I know that they it's essentially in-house finance, which is essentially mm. just pay us eventually, and eventually you'll get your photos. But they do offer uh-huh. that. You um you offer uh yeah they'll have like a fifteen thousand dollar package with albums and blah blah and all the things, mm-hmm. and um and you just keep on paying and one day you'll get your wedding photos and, and I don't know this because I asked well, what like we all do I asked my couple uh, hey have you got the photos yet I'd love to see them and like oh we're just still paying it off like, wow yeah wow and, wow. and I, I know that there's a wedding videographer locally who was aware and look you know what part of me thinks yeah not so good part of me thinks in an innovative way of addressing the market uh, mm. because the um the, the biggest regret a lot of couples have is they didn't get a film, but then yeah. when, when it all kind of adds up, uh, they just don't have the budget for it before the wedding. And so their thing is like, well, cool, well, we'll come film your wedding. Um, No money, no cash up front, but then you don't get it until you're paid for it. And so over the next yeah. year or two, you pay for it and eventually get your film. And so, like, I, I applaud the innovation. That feels fraught with danger to me as well, though, for the supplier. Yeah. That they would come and do the work and then the person would never pay them. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's not something I would take part in, but yeah, it's yeah. interesting, isn't it? I'm always fascinated to hear how other people are working and you know what their ideas are, and yeah, fascinating, so interesting. Anyway, so actually, quick, quick question on that place before because I, w- I want to wrap up with a you know looking at 2019, uh, but uh, someone hasn't paid or they. They're, they're sorry, the the money's on the way and it hasn't come through. It's their wedding day um, or the day before. Like, do you turn up at the wedding if they haven't paid? Oh, geez, this is the hardest one ever. I know. It's really, really hard. I've only ever had one couple who hadn't paid. Uh, it was in my second year. I didn't like them, so that it wasn't a good start. <laughs> um, and she guaranteed me that uh, that she would bring the money to the wedding. And I said, well, can you give it to your groom so that I can like get it you know before you arrive and blah 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 yeah yeah no he didn't have it um of course she was 40 minutes late and it was 38 degrees and we were on a pier well you made a drop by a bloody ATM didn't you that's why she was late (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> she turned up in a stretch Hummer, and I and I opened the door and I said, "I'm really sorry to ask this, but do you have the money?" She went, "No." Oh wow! And I went, and her dad, who was sitting there with her, was so mortified that he instantly took out his phone. Went to his bank app and said, what's your bank details? I'll transfer you the money now. Oh, God bless him. Wow. He was horrified that she could be so blasé about paying someone for their service. Um, and then, of course, it it rained halfway through her wedding. The most rain ever in the history of the world. And we all got very wet. And if she'd been on time, uh, and probably if she'd paid me, uh, the heavens might not have opened quite in the same way. The hardest three green you've ever earned. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I did turn up. Um, I haven't had to deal with that situation again because my sister now uh, starts sending them reminders two weeks before the invoice, the payment is due, and it sends them three reminders, so two weeks, one week, and three days before it's due. Uh, and then it starts and then because my payments are due a month before, it gives me enough time to follow up if they haven't paid it. So I haven't actually faced that dilemma before, but I, I do know people who have and, you know, generally it's been, you know, it's been an accidental oversight and things like that. There have been celebrants who've said, oh, I'm just going to tell them that I'm not going to submit the paperwork to BDM until they pay me. We can't do that because we're required by the Marriage Act to submit the paperwork within 14 days of the wedding. And, it, you know, it would be our very wonderful luck that if we did make that threat, uh, somebody in that person's family would be a lawyer who would go and look up the Marriage Act and would, you know, call you on it. So... That's not really a threat that you can make, uh, but it you know it's really tricky. It's a really tricky one. I don't know. What do you do? Uh, I haven't faced it because uh, when I went full time, I made the bold and audacious decision to not do what the rest of the wedding wedding industry does, which is <laughs> payment one month before. And I yep. said, um, I literally just made up a number. I said, let's make payments in four months, like deposit today, payment in four months, and um, uh, four I'm, months I'm, after booking. Yep. Yeah, four months after booking or one month before if, obviously, it's the wedding is four if months away. If it's closer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, I've had, few, I've, uh, like, maybe uh, maybe one in ten couples like, oh, can we have another month? Like, yeah, sure, your wedding's in four years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Although you are, you are then stuck with the issue of what do you do if they cancel? Um, so I've got a I've got a good contract and and that it's it uh, it formulates that relationship and uh huh um so yeah it and it's interesting you know with pretty much every other service well with a lot of other services uh what I'm thinking about photographers and videographers and things like that if they don't pay they've got some leverage well, I'm not going to give you your photos until you've paid. We don't have any leverage. Well, my leverage is turning up on the day. Yeah, correct. But like, if you then if you turn up on the day and they still haven't paid, there's no more leverage. Yeah. So so it's yeah, it's look, really tricky. Maybe maybe one day, you know, I'll, I'll have that story to tell. But my my current mode of operation is I just don't I don't, I don't show up because yeah. because once you show up, you then you've got an obligation to follow through with everything. Yeah. So yeah, totally. 
Oh, well, interesting. Yes. Now, you wanted to wrap up on a review of 2019. Um, yeah, well, I suppose, like, no need to wax lyrical, but I suppose it is, uh, I, am, I am almost certain that we won't have another episode before the end of the year just because I, no, I, I'm traveling again from Saturday because life's just too short not to travel. Uh, You're traveling for Christmas? Yeah, we're down to Sydney. Uh, we're driving oh. down, and then I got a, I've got two Sydney weddings over the New Year period, and then of course you do. Then we we then we have we take ownership of a new home. We've got to renovate and move in, and blah blah blah, and then we travel again because that's just my life. That's um, what you do. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so we, we probably, won't, probably won't get another episode in until my podcast studio is uh, is built sometime oh. early January. Cool. Which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, but yeah. I just, I suppose, wanted to look at the new year. Obviously, you've already made the statement that you, um, you're doing training, which is super exciting. But uh, mm. any other, like, have you kind of looked at 2018? You're looking at 2019. Like, I'm going to do this different. I'm going to change my price. I'm going to change my customer journey. I'm going to change my hairstyle. I don't know. Like, what's your 2019 like? Yeah, it's interesting because I've kind of been thinking that I'll do, because the training is likely to take up a significant larger portion of my time because I'm going to be running the bloody thing rather than just delivering it. I was, I'm kind of been thinking oh, I'm going to do less ceremonies next year is kind of my plan. But then I looked at my numbers uh, the other day and, um, and cause I do, I know that, well, most people will know that I do a lot of legals only weddings and 55% of my weddings this year have been legals only. So they they take no time at all. Um, they're you know it's less than an hour's work. Uh, it's pretty simple. It's you know that sort of thing. So I'm not actually too fast if my numbers stay similar because my number of hours working on weddings is actually relatively low um, because so many of them are legals only. So. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking that like I'm not going to chase the work quite so much next year. Like I'm going to do one less expo next year than I've done the last couple of years uh, because I feel quite comfortable with the amount of work that's coming through Google and that I don't need uh, the high number that I've been chasing in the past because I'll be doing more training. So that's kind of where I'm thinking, but... I've never been really one for making kind of goals. Like I kind of have an overall financial goal for the year, but I've never been one for making monthly goals or weekly goals or anything like that because that makes me very anxious and it's not good for my mental health. So um, I kind of know that, you know, like this is my, I've now been a celebrant for five years and I've known every year, oh, I'd, I'd like to do more weddings than I did last year but I haven't really ever quantified that into a number. And every year I have done more weddings than I did the year before. Next year, it's likely to be less and that's okay because I'm going to be doing more training. So that's kind of where I'm sitting. Customer journey is going to be the same because I'm pretty happy with it. Definitely keeping my hairstyle the same. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and yeah, 2019 feels like apart from the new training stuff, it's going to be much the same. What about you? I... Uh because it's funny, I asked a question of you without having a good answer for myself. <laughs> so I thought that's a great question. I just asked it, but I, I've been in a place where I, I haven't actively marketed. I want to say marketed. So I have been marketing because I'm on social media and I blog and I podcast, and so so I am marketing. But I haven't advertised. I haven't paid for advertising since. Um, 
since about August because mm-hmm. uh, we were having a, a baby and we're, like I was already traveling a lot. Like my August and September was stupid. And, uh, and then we were traveling through the States um, in December as we just have been. And so I just really, I wanted to receive less emails. And so mm. I, um, so I just, I stopped and, and so I haven't started again and things are looking pretty good for next year and for 2020. And I, I, I've always had this thing where I want to podcast more, not just with yourself, but in, in other podcasts. And I've got a really good podcast project that I want to start next year, which I'll be sure to tell everyone about here because I'm really proud of it. Uh, and it's in the wedding space. But I uh, I need time to do that. So I'm, I'm not afraid of doing less weddings in the hope of other projects taking up more time. And I, I need to create some bandwidth for that because I can't just order in yeah. more bandwidth because I'm a... I'm a human and I don't have extra bandwidth. So, yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm not afraid of doing less, but then I'm equally afraid of doing less because I've, yeah. got, a, I've got a human child now and I need to provide for them and my and, and Brits. And so uh, so I, I, I haven't made any big proclamations about next year, apart from the fact that podcasting is going to, is going to become more of a thing for me. And I'm looking forward to having a podcasting studio because I'm, I'm currently sitting in the hallway of our house and it's just not the <laughs> ideal place to podcast or to do any work. <laughs> So I, I'm really excited about having a proper place to do that, and uh, and so that that's my 2019. Obviously, the new house, new office. Um, you know, uh, Luna's you know, going to be going through her first year of life, which is so exciting, and uh, and so that's my 2019. I've I've already booked a bunch of amazing couples for next year, and and next year involves more travel than ever because that's that's how we get around. That's how it goes. And the next year, I'm doing ceremonies in in Iceland and Croatia and. And and uh, Italy, like down the Amalfi Coast, and in um, I forget the other place in Italy, and um, I'm in New York and Vancouver and back in LA and possibly Hawaii, and so so that's um and obviously New Zealand and Bali a few times in New Zealand way too much and getting around Australia and so next year is already like super exciting and so I I probably don't even want to fill fill it up too much more. In fact, I. Uh, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this, but I, I'm not a massive fan of the whole wedding industry people making the Facebook post, you know, bookings for 2019 full now or only one more spot yeah. left. I, I don't really love that because I'm like, you know what, dude, if I offered you a couple of grand, you'd work. Like, yeah. <laughs> you'd and, get out of bed. Didn't, yeah. Like if, if somebody rang you and said, can you marry me at 10 o'clock on a Wednesday morning? Would you actually say no? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I, I, I think it's a little bit um, ingenuine and, uh, and I... I just I haven't done that, and I, but I I thought in my head like I'm pretty certain that I could, if I got an inquiry for the first seven or eight months of next year, that I wouldn't even look at my calendar. Like if if the month was anything before September, I could probably just say no, um, yeah. Just because I don't want to actually take on any more work. Like I yeah, I've weirdly so, this is so weird. Like my next year is so full, but I've got three Saturdays off in March next year. Oh my god! The weeks are bloody nuts. <laughs> the weeks are stupid. <laughs> the, like the weekdays is what I mean. But the Saturday, but Saturdays. I know. Oh my god, that's crazy. And I'm sure I've even said this on a podcast before. If I haven't, I've at least said it to you that if you can't look, if you can't book a bloody Saturday in March, just shut down. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. Just on that whole, um, you know, bookings are closing. Bookings are I'm booked out. Blah blah blah. Um, friend of the podcast, the lovely Michael Briggs, uh, who's a photographer, uh, who both of us know very well. Yeah. He spoke at 
a an industry event a few months ago that I went to. And if you ever get the was, chance to hear him speak, go. Like he's just a good guy to hear speak. He's just cool, yeah. Uh, but he was talking about social media, and he uh, was talking about the fact that he he does use that. You know, I'm almost booked out for March, kind of thing. He said it's about creating a sense of urgency uh, within the audience because he put, he did put a post up saying, you know, it only had one date left for March or something. And suddenly within like half an hour, he had 10 inquiries, um, for that one date. So for him, it's about creating a sense of urgency to fill a gap. Uh, and he said, you know, it doesn't have to be real. Like you can totally make it up. <laughs> uh, but he's found that quite useful as a, as a tool to fill gaps or to, you know, create a sense that, oh, if I don't book now, I'm not going to get in. So that was interesting to hear because I've always been very anti that stuff as well. Um, and yeah, it was, that was interesting to hear that it, that somebody like Michael Briggs, who is booked out from here to eternity and is already taking bookings in 2022, uh, does actually use, um, that technique and finds it finds it useful. Yeah, and something I like about Briggsy because Briggsy and I hang out a lot, and uh, and what you this is what I like about having about any friend, and it's almost a requirement I'd have of someone that I would call a friend is uh, I don't I don't need you to, to to worship me. I don't I don't I'm not a god, and I don't need people just say Josh, you're so good, you're so good. Like I I, I love it when my, when my friends and you do this and Briggsy does this. You just push up against me, and you're like, hey, what if you were wrong? Yeah. <laughs> And, yeah. and they're my favorite people on the planet. If you're that person to me, um, you're either really annoying or you're, you're my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a fine line. Yeah, it's a real, it's a, cor- it's a close line. Very fine line. Yeah. Um, it's interesting though. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. So yeah, 2019 is looking good. It is. It's exciting. Uh, so I think that we've got another episode. I would like to throw a big thank you out to those people who have supported us this year and who are listening to our podcast. Um, every now and again, I get a random message from someone going, Hey, I've just discovered your podcast. We really love it. It's super cool. And that is like the bee's knees. Yeah. And, uh, it makes both of us feel pretty special. And, uh, it makes us happy that people are listening and that they're getting some, uh, something worthwhile out of what we're doing. So we appreciate it. Send us your messages. If you, you know, if you have something to tell us, if you have something to complain about, go right ahead. If you have a question that you'd like us to answer, please send it to us. Uh, hello. Are we still using hello at celebrant.fm? Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe yeah. it works. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hello at celebrant.fm. Uh, if you have anything at all to say or message one of us, if you know us, that's totally fine as well. And yeah, just thanks for listening and thanks for being part of our little community. It's really cool. Yeah. I honest to echo everything Sarah just said, the last six months, particularly with the Celebrant Institute has been, um, a really heartwarming exercise. It's, it's it's been good and uh the podcast now we've been doing it for uh, what 18 months maybe yeah about that yeah and uh and yeah honestly every, every time we release an episode and uh, someone new discovers it and they send us a message and it just makes us feel like uh you know maybe someone on this planet apart from our parents love us which <laughs> it is very nice indeed yeah. Yes. If I can ask one thing of you, uh, if you are a celebrant, you probably know another celebrant um, and they probably don't listen. So shoot a brother a link and just say, hey, listen to this. It'd be really good. 
Yay! You might like it. It's awesome. Woohoo! Sarah, and uh, of course, thank you to you. Um, you've been uh, not only a good friend and a good support for me, but also my partner in this. And I am very appreciative of you and looking forward to doing it again in the new year. And ditto right back at you as well. Awesome! Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a spectacular Thanks, day and an awesome Christmas. Talk soon. Bye!